together and prays over each one of those prayer requests individually. And so anyone, guest or member, can write a request on there. And then when the offering plate goes by here in just a little bit, drop those cards in there and they will get to the staff. Um, for now, before we go any farther in the service, we just want to take a minute to let you know some things happening in the life of our church so that you can know how to be involved. The first thing is that there are going to be no services tonight or on Wednesday night. Our normal scheduled uh, Wednesday night and Sunday night activities will begin next Sunday. Um, but I just pray you would use this time to kind of reflect on what Christ has done through your life over the last year. And then also the amazing things he's going to do in your life next year in 2020. The second announcement I have is that in 2020, we're going to be reading through the Bible chronologically as a church. And so whether you've been reading the Bible every day for your entire life, you've been completely perfect and never missed a day. If that's you, this is a great plan for you. Or if you're starting for the first time, maybe you're a new believer, you've never really read the Bible a whole lot before. This will be a great way to be around a body of believers that are reading through the Bible together that can help hold you accountable and talk to you about what you're reading. Either way, no matter where you are, this is an opportunity for us as a church to make God's words central in our lives and spend time together reading it, studying it, hearing it preached, praying over it, and applying it to our lives. So I pray as we approach 2020, uh, if you have any questions about the reading plan, don't hesitate to come and ask one of us to ask one of the staff or talk to someone in your small group about it. But I just pray you would really consider getting on board with us in this 2020 reading plan. It's going to be a great time of just digging into God's word and learning about who he is and what he has called us to do as believers. Today is the last day to give to the Lot Moon Christmas offering through the IMB. The IMB also stands for the International Mission Board, and that is a Southern Baptist mission organization that's goal is to plant churches around the world in places that are really hard to reach. The IMB does incredible work, and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is a great way for us to give directly to the missionaries on the field. And so I pray you would spend some time this morning praying about how you can sacrificially give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That's all the announcements I have for you this morning. I pray that this service would um, remind you of the amazing work that Christ did on the cross and would encourage you to live more for him in your day-to-day life. Well, good morning and welcome. We're glad you're here. Did everybody have a good Christmas? I guess I could still say Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy birthday to me. No, it was yesterday. I had a birthday, so I'm at that age where you want to forget them, though. Uh, it's just like they just happened, but let's keep going. Hey, we're going to start off the morning by singing. If you go ahead and stand, we're going to sing the birthday of a king. Um, just talking about how the angels sang and how it rang out across the land, and we want to join in with that. In the little village of Bethlehem, there lay a child one day, and the sky was bright with a holy light for the place where Jesus lay. a humble birthplace but oh 
was even better. That was better than the first group, which was better than anything else that you guys have ever, ever heard that I've been here. Um, so I am so thankful that y'all are here. Um, it's been a, a wonderful season for, for my family, and, and I hope it has been for you as well. Um, Greg, happy birthday. I, I had forgotten. I know, man. Okay, I'm not the only one. But um, no, but it is, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here and to worship with you this morning. Um, it's, it's so great to, to gather together with believers and just worship our Lord. Uh, but there's a couple of things I want to, uh, to talk with you all about real quick. Um, the first one is the blue card that's sitting in the, front, in the seat in front of you. Um, on one side, there's a prayer, uh, a place where you can fill out prayer requests. And um, it's, again, such a pleasure to, uh, to pray for you and pray with you um, with anything that's going on. On the other side is uh, some guest information. Um, if you're a guest with us today, we would love to get to know you further um, and, and pray for you or, or just begin to walk through life with you. Uh, so the second thing I want to talk with you about, um, Alex mentioned it in the video, is the reading plan. We will begin that on January 6th. Um, all, of, all of us as a church uh, can come together. We can read through the Bible over the course of a year together. I know it sounds really daunting, but trust me, I've looked at it. It's, it's not as difficult um, as it sounds. Um, and I think it would be really great for us as a church um, to walk through the Bible and then to come back here on a Sunday and on Wednesday and talk about it. All of our small groups will be, will be pulling from that. Um, so what you read during that week is what we're going to talk about that next, uh, that next Sunday. Um, so we're just walking through the Bible and walking through life as a body of believers, as a church. Um, so I really hope that you'll, you'll join with us in that. Uh, there are plans available out in the lobby, uh, as well as probably scattered throughout the church. Um, and again, as Alex said, if you guys have any questions about it, please feel free. Um, we love talking about it. We're really excited for this reading plan and would love to answer any questions that you have on it. So that's, uh, that's all I've got. So y'all can stand up and greet each other and then we'll continue with our service. In the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, 
pray, Father, we thank you so much that that is the reason you came. You came to this earth to save us. And I thank you so much for coming 2,000 years ago as a baby, humbling yourself uh, in all of your glory in, in heaven and taking it off and becoming a child, becoming a baby, uh, growing up and living among us, walking with us, doing life with us, and then dying on a cross for our sins, uh, Lord, so that we could have that opportunity to know you. And Lord, I do pray for anyone that is here today that has never made that profession of knowing you, that have made you Lord of, your, of their lives, Lord, that they would see you in a new light today. God, that they would see that you are good and that you are, you are someone worth getting to know. Uh, and, Lord, that they would surrender their lives to you and spend a lifetime of, of just walking with you. Lord, really, and that lifetime turns into an eternity. Uh, Lord, we're just thankful that we get the opportunity to come and to worship you, to talk about how you save us, uh, Lord, and, and your love for us. Uh, and as we continue on with this next song, Lord, uh, I just pray that, that the, the message of the song would speak uh, true from our hearts, Lord, that it would be a true statement uh, that your love is greater, it's deeper, it's farther than anything that we can imagine. Uh, so, Lord, be with us as we sing. May you be blessed by our voices in Jesus' name. Amen. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave His Son to win. His erring child, He reconciled and pardoned from sin. Years of time shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall when men who hear refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call God's love so sure shall still endure all measureless and strong redeeming grace to Adam's race the saints and angels song. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It's 
Father, we thank you so much for your love. Lord, as that last verse says, could we with ink the oceans fill? Lord, if we could fill our oceans with ink and were the skies the the paper that we wrote on and were every stalk, every blade of grass, every, every feather, if it was a quill, Lord, it would take all every and every man was a was a scribe, was a writer, was a was a author. Lord, it would take us all of the ink. It would take the whole entire scroll that covered the sky, uh, Lord, from, from as far as the east is to the west, and we would never exhaust the depths and the magnitude of your love. And God, we thank you so much for that. We thank you that we get to be a part of your plan uh, for this earth, for this universe, uh, Lord, because we know you. And I pray that as we continue in this service, Father, you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that we would walk away today changed because we've been in your presence and we've experienced your love. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. Happy New Year almost, right? It's right upon us. We'll have a new year this week. And and Greg, happy birthday. I didn't know yesterday was your birthday either. I'm going to put that in my phone. (laughs) Yeah, that slipped out, didn't it? Yeah, you're getting old, right? (laughs) Well, happy birthday. And good to be in the presence of the Lord this morning and opening his word and and walking through his word. I pray that our time together this morning touches your life. I want to look at the Magi, the wise men, and their coming to see Jesus. Uh, We just celebrated the birth of Christ, and what an amazing celebration that is. It has so much uh, it, the implications it has for my life and your life is, is amazing. I, I look around the room and I see people who uh, gave their life to Jesus last year, and, and you experienced your first Christmas celebrating the resurrected Christ. And what an amazing Christmas it is when you celebrate Jesus as Lord, and uh, that, that's new and, and fresh. And you know what? There's a celebration in our hearts when we know Christ. We never quit celebrating the birth of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and the coming of Christ. We never, we never get over that. We never look beyond that. We're always anticipating Jesus doing amazing work and, and what he's going to do in our lives with each passing day. And today I want to look at from Matthew chapter 2, that, that'll be our text, Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read the first 12 verses in Matthew. We're going to look at three different responses to Christ coming. And there are many different people in this world, and they come from different backgrounds and lifestyles. And geographically, we're spread around the globe. And and there are people that come to this message of Christ and Christmas And they have different responses. And I want to look at three responses that are recorded for us in Matthew chapter 2. 
And I honestly want you to evaluate your life because these three responses will say something to me. They'll say something to you. Uh, they, they're going to be, you're going to have a response that is going to line up with one of these three responses. So as we walk through this this morning, I want you to think about your life. We're going to look at Herod, Herod the Great, look at his life and how he responded to Christ. We're going to look at the, uh, the, the scribes, those that we just sang about. If, if, if we were scribes and could, could have the, the skies as a scroll and the, the oceans as ink, we couldn't write of the deep depth, darkness of the deep depth and love of Christ. I, was, I had all the D's going in my head there. But all the love of Christ, we couldn't write of that. But what we recognize is this, that these guys responded to Christ. The chief priest responded to Christ. Not only did they respond to Christ, but the Magi responded to the message of Jesus. And you're going to respond to that message. I'm going to respond to that message. And I'm not just going to do it once. I'm not going to do it just with words. I'm going to do it with my life, and you're going to do it with your life. So the way you live your life, the way I live my life, will be a daily response to Christ and the coming King. So I want us to look at that, and, and, and we, can, uh, we can just think for a minute with me here. you got wise men coming to see King Jesus. Now, if I was their neighbor or you were their neighbor, and you recognized they were saddling up their camels or whatever they rode on, to go and see King Jesus, you may ask them, um, where are you headed? Well, we don't know. Well, how long are you going to be gone? Well, we don't know. Well, what are you going to do? Well, we're just following that star. You may, just like I would think, that's not very wise. You don't know where you're going, don't, how long are you going to be gone, and you're following a star. I mean, what's up here? But we recognize that they were on a mission, and it was in it was instigated by God calling them to pursue God himself. So if you will stand with me and let's read Matthew chapter 2, the first 12 verses of God's word. Chapter 2 verse 1 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod, then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went, away, they went their way. <clears throat> and the star, which had been seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gold, or gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, 
The Magi left for their own country by another way. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your word, the the fact that we can come and celebrate you as the risen king. Uh, Lord, you're the eternal king, and, and we recognize that this morning. Lord, at least I hope everyone here recognizes you as the eternal king, and we worship you with our life. Now, God, we know that we'll respond with our life's actions towards you based on our beliefs of you. Lord, I pray that you would do the work today by conversion or by conviction that you need to do in my heart and the hearts of all those that are here this morning, God, to make a difference in our life, transforming us. Your word says it will not return void. So, Lord, we count on something happening in each of our lives this morning as we surrender under your authority and your word resounds in our heart. Lord, I pray, knowing you've appointed this time for us, that you would anoint me with your power and your hand, God, to proclaim the truths of Scripture in a way that would touch our lives. Lord, you are supreme King. We exalt you at this time, and it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask this. And all God's people said, Amen. <clears throat> Well, in this text this morning, we see, as I've already mentioned, three responses to King Jesus coming. After Jesus was born, verse 1 tells us, in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king. So let's start with Herod. He has a response. Herod has a response to King Jesus. It it would help us to understand a little bit about King Herod before we really look into his response to King Jesus because King Herod was uh, Herod the Great, and there were some things about Herod's life that were great. Herod the Great would, uh, in times of great struggle in the economy, Herod the Great gave back tax money to the people. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You know, think about it. Times get tough, and the government gives back all the taxes you've paid. That'd be pretty neat. Can, can I get an amen on something this morning? <laughs> so you're not sure. But anyhow, it, it, not only was he great about that, but in, in times of great struggle when the people were famished and, and, and starving, he actually took uh, articles of the, of the palace and he sold them to, to provide food for the people in the kingdom. And, and he built nice places, coliseums and places of entertainment for people. Uh, Not only that, he even helped uh, begin to rebuild the the temple. So he did some good things, but but that wasn't the whole of who Herod was. Herod, as he reigned and and he ruled as king, he changed. He he grew to be a man who was very cautious. He he became very cruel and, and merciless, jealous and suspicious even of everything that was going on around him. And you may know this about King Herod, but he he was uh, he, he had the high priest Aristobulus drowned, <clears throat> and and then he went and he went to the funeral. He actually pretended to cry over him and his death. <clears throat> but not only that, he had he, he uh, had his wife. <clears throat> excuse me, he had his wife, three of his sons, and his mother-in-law killed. It was a bad dude. Okay, uh, he he was a harsh man. And, and if, that, if that were not enough, when he was going to his own deathbed, he, he had all of the high people in Jerusalem imprisoned and, and ordered their death upon his death so there would be mourning in Jerusalem when he died. Uh, this is a horrible man. But, but even the, to, the pinnacle of it all was not that. The pinnacle of it all was when he found out that there was a King Jesus 
the Messiah who was born in Bethlehem, he ordered that all of the babies two and under in the area of Bethlehem be killed. Merciless, cruel, evil. He was concerned. He was scared. He was, he was scared of his own kingdom being destroyed, his own throne being taken from him. See, he was not a Jew. He married a Jew so that he could gain a little bit of credibility, but he was, he was given that kingship. He was placed in there as king, and uh, he, he really was troubled, as the Scripture says. And, and if you look at that, where it says that when he heard that there was a king, King Herod, verse 3 says, when Herod the king heard this, heard the news of Jesus being born in Bethlehem, he was troubled. And I want to pause there, all of Jerusalem with him. I want to think about that for a minute. It wasn't just King Herod that was troubled because there was a king, Jesus. Jerusalem was troubled. The people were troubled. And we'll come back as we think about the response of people, the response that you and I have over a king ruling and reigning. See, some kings rule and reign, and we like their, their kingship. But when the new king comes, we may not know what to expect. And King Jesus... King Jesus, they, they didn't know what to expect. They should have, because Scripture prepared the way for King Jesus to come. But here we see that, that uh, Herod the Great, he's, uh, he's troubled. And I don't think that word in, in the Greek is, is being translated to trouble really captures all of it, because you've been troubled by some stuff before. But I want you to understand, King Herod was terrified. He was in turmoil over this fact. It, it, it startled him. It set him on his heels. He was deeply concerned because there was a good chance, better than average chance, probably a certainty in his mind at the moment when he heard there was a king, the king of the Jews had been born, that uh, he would lose his kingship because he wasn't rightly a king over the Jews. So we understand that he was threatened and he was he took he could he took King Jesus seriously. He very seriously took the fact that the king had been born and he was scared to death to lose his power. So who did he go to? If he were a man of God, he would have gone to God about this. He would have he would have sought God and God's direction on this, but instead he he did what so many people do in our day. He turned to Facebook and Twitter, and he asked his buddies. No, he, he turned to the chief priest and the scribes. He turned to the people of the land. He, he wanted to know what the people thought. He, he was concerned about what people could help him understand about this, and, and it, it, they showed their knowledge. They, they proved that, that they knew who King Jesus was. They, were, they, they filled in the, the gap for King Herod, and then once, they, once he understood who King Jesus was. It says in verse 7, Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. Now we know from King Herod's life what we do know about King Herod. He had no intentions of worshiping the king. Sounded good. Good political statement. Yeah, you go find him, come back and tell me where he is so I can go worship him. His desire was to destroy King Jesus because he was concerned, because he was greatly troubled that there was another king that would rise to take his kingship. So he was troubled, he was deeply troubled, and, 
And he secretly called the Magi to come in. He, he didn't openly call the Magi. After he had called the chief priest and the scribes, he secretly called the Magi to him and, and, and whispered this in their ear. He, he certainly did not want to portray to the people that he would bow down to King Jesus because he ultimately he wanted to kill King Jesus. So we, we see that response from Herod. We see that Herod was threatened deeply by King Jesus. Not only that, we see that there's the chief priests and the scribes whom he had called. He, he says in verse 4, gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. So it helps us to understand who are these dudes? Who, who are the chief priests? Who, who are the scribes? Well, the chief priests, uh, that would have been the high priest and, and the, the, the temple priests, those that did the weekly sacrifices. There's been a, a group of people that, that knew the religion. They, they knew uh, the Word of God. They, they, and it showed they knew the Word of God. They, they repeated the Old Testament prophecy that, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that Judah was not a, a, a small place that was unforgotten, that would be forgotten, but a place that will be remembered because a king would come from there. So they knew Scripture. They, they show that in this, this display that they knew Scripture. They were, the, they were the religious people. They were the leaders of religion. They, they sought to direct people's life in matters of religion. And then you've got the scribes. And you say, well, who were the scribes? Well, those were folks that they were, they, it was their job to write down the occurrences of the day. You know, they, would, they wanted to write down the happenings of what was going on in life. And not only that, the scribes would have been very well uh, abreast to all the laws of the land. They'd have known the laws completely. So they'd been called in uh, on legal matters from time to time to help to make decisions. So here's King Herod, who hears there's another king. He says, boy, I better get those religious guys and those legal guys together. And let's put our heads together and figure out what's going on here. So he wanted to know legally what was going on. He wanted to know religiously what was going on. And, and these men and, and women come together and they, they pull their resources to supply an understanding. Being Also, I've got to sidestep here and say the chief priest, the, the priest would have been ordered by God from the tribe of Levi. So the, not every member of the Levite tribe was a priest, but every priest was from the tribe of Levi. So we'd have had the Levite tribe represented in this conversation. They knew the word of God. They knew that there was a coming king prophesied in all of Scripture. They knew that Genesis 3 pronounced that one would come to crush Satan. Okay, they knew that. They, they had a knowledge. They had a, a mental knowledge of what was going on. But ladies and gentlemen, they were very unconcerned. And they show their lack of concern for the fact that King Jesus just came to Bethlehem. Because they didn't say, hey boys, let's go. Let, let's go see King Jesus. We've been waiting. It's been 400 years since we heard from God. We've been, it's been silent around here. And he has just burst into the world with the greatest announcement, his presence. We've got to go see this. You, you would expect that the chief priest would be like, yes, yes, King Jesus is here. They would go see him. And you would, you would just expect that the scribes, 
These are the guys that write down everything that's going on in current day. There's, this is a big event. If, if they know who King Jesus is, they know he just came, they're going to go write about this. And, and they're going to understand legally what this means now for the country. They were very unconcerned. We, we don't see the chief priest. We, we don't see the scribes lining up to go see King Jesus. That had to have caused the Magi to reflect. These were wise men. They've just stepped into Jerusalem. They've just spilled the beans. King Jesus is here. We've been following a star. Where's he at? Where's he supposed to be? There had to be a time gap. Something happened with the star. It had to twinkle out or something for a few minutes because they're here in Jerusalem looking for the king. And they've been following this star for quite a while. We don't know how long. And they've landed in Jerusalem. But Jesus is uh, several miles away in Bethlehem. And when they leave the presence of Herod and the chief priest and the scribes and they journey on, the star guides them to Bethlehem. And they rejoice with exceeding joy that they see this star. So think with me here. Herod gives a response. Now you go find that dude. I want to kill him. He doesn't say that. That would be politically incorrect for him to make that statement. But go find him. I'd like to worship him too. But he makes no effort on his own to go see him. We know the intent of his heart is to kill him. We understand that. Matthew 2, we keep reading in verse 16, tells us he issued that command to kill all the babies to and under to capture Jesus in that big net. So we know that. We know that's his intent. And, and we, we see no desire for Herod to go and seek the king personally. And we see no desire from the chief priest and the scribes to go seek Jesus. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is the religious crowd. This is the crowd that knew him. Knew about him anyhow. They did not know him personally. They knew about him. They were very religious. Let me insert a point here. Religion will not save you. You can be very religious and bust hell wide open. Are you with me? They were religious. What, when Jesus came and he, he dealt with people, he dealt with the religious crowd face on. Religion won't save you. Checking the box, I went down front, I prayed the prayer. I was baptized as a baby or I was baptized as a, an adult or I was, you know, whatever your religious upbringing, check the box. I've read my Bible, I've checked the box. I've, I've done this, I've, done, I've been good to people, check the box. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a good person, I'm a decent person, check the box. Religion won't save you. Those boys stayed in Jerusalem. It was the Magi that went after the king. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. I've known about God all my life. I never doubted there was a God. I never doubted that Christmas was about Jesus. And if you ask me, I could pass most religious tests. But I didn't come into a relationship with Jesus until I was 31. And I surrendered my life and he became king and I became his bond slave. 
There's a difference. A major difference. And we can talk religious and we can speak it all day long. It's easy for us in our culture to talk religion. The chief priest and the scribes and, and King Herod could even speak some religious jargon. But to live it is different. We see these, these uh, magi. So I, I want to look at the response from these magi who, who are now pursuing Christ. And, and, and they're seeking a king. They, th- this is them. They were skilled in astronomy and astrology. They had a sacrificial system in their homeland, much like God's. Their worship was monotheistic, and they were very occultic in their practices. They, they actually practiced sorcery, and they interpreted dreams. So they had, some, they had these, these religious ideals in their life and practices in their life. They were probably high-ranking officials in the Babylonian Empire, and that's where Daniel went to interpret the king's dreams. You remember Daniel? Daniel gained great respect with these guys. Not these, but earlier, many years earlier. But he gained great respect, and he he was able to sow some seeds with them, and and it it followed through, and they, they knew of this God of Israel, okay? So they would have had an understanding, some light. They'd have had a religious worship practice in their life, uh, but they, they didn't know Jesus. They, didn't, they weren't in a relationship with God. So they were seeking Him. They, they came. They, they had probably had a lot of headway made with the knowledge they had in their head, but they were pagan. And, but despite their paganism, their superstition, and their tradition, they were seeking God, and they followed the light which they had. Okay? Key point. They didn't know everything about God. The people who knew everything about God were over there in Jerusalem, and they didn't even go see Jesus. But these who knew a little bit about God, had a little bit of light about God, they, they pursued Him to know more. I, I think it's a perfect time to say this. Second Chronicles tells us, First Chronicles 28.9 tells us, If you seek Him, you will find Him. Jeremiah 29, 13 tells us, If you seek Him, being God, if you seek Him with all of your heart, you will find him. I can tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to find God unless you seek him. But if you seek him, you will find him. He will not hide from you. He desires a relationship with you. He, he is the lover of the universe. He designed you, created you intimately in your mother and father's womb. Psalm 139 tells us he He orchestrated everything before your mom and dad even knew about it. At conception, you were his design. Before conception, you were His design. And He designed you and created you, and He stamped His image on you. Though marred by sin and by the world around us, we are made in His image. We have the King's image upon us, and we bear that image. So here we see that these guys who are living on the other side of the world, they come after this King, they're seeking this King, And they saw the king. See, they found him. They were seeking him and they found him. And look at the grace that God gives. Anybody who seeks him, they find him. Okay, so no matter where you are in your world right now, no matter what's going on in your life, what occurrence has happened in your life last year, last month, last week, I don't know what's happened in your life, you do. When you seek him, the grace of God will come upon you and you will find him. He will intimately engage you 
He's already reaching out to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's already engaged humanity. He has already come. He stepped off of his throne and came as a baby into this world so that he could live the perfect life, die a sacrificial death, and be raised from the dead, defeating sin and death and giving us hope for eternal life with him being our king. He did that for you. He did that for me. And he has invited us into a very personal relationship that you have the opportunity to have with him daily, engaged with him, him leading you, being the Lord of your life. He says, you know what? Jesus tells his guys, he said, I won't be with you. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to leave you. They watched him ascend into heaven. He said, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you the comforter, the Holy Spirit to indwell you. And every believer has the indwelling Holy Spirit living within them as a guide and as a comfort. So, see, these guys, the Magi, they're seeking him. And you've got to understand, when they're looking for him, and when they find him, when you're looking for something and you find it, don't you get excited? How many of you lost your car keys? Well, praise Jesus when we find him things, right? Look all over the house. But I'm telling you, when you find something, something way more price, uh, priceless in comparison is a relationship of eternal life with Christ. And, and these guys are seeking him. The Magi are looking for him. And notice with me what happens when they saw the star. They got excited because they saw the star. They knew there was direction. They were, they were now on the right track again. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, verse 10 tells us. Verse 11 says, After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Come on, church. They worship him. They fell on the ground. People today around heaven are falling on the ground and worshiping King Jesus. And if you don't believe that's true, read Revelation 4, 5, 6, 7. You just read through there and you'll see the activity of heaven is today, right now, they're worshiping King Jesus. The elders are around the throne worshiping King Jesus. And when the Magi came into the presence of a baby king, they fell on their face and worshiped him because they found what they were looking for what changed all of their life they found the king and he was worthy to be worshiped and, and i'm telling you right worship led to something what did they do they gave him gifts they gave him gold frankincense and myrrh this speaks to his his loyal uh, to his, his royalty it speaks to his uh, his presence the deity and it speaks also to his humanity Th those three gifts speak so much about him and, and they gave him gifts. And I'm telling you, when you've got your worship right, your whole life begins to line up. When you're seeking the king, you find the king and you're surrendered to the king. Out of worship for the king, I mean, you give. It, you, you're just following the model. The greatest giver of all time was King Jesus, right? He gave his own life for you. He set Christmas into motion. He's a giver. And when he gives, he gives life. And the life he gives causes us to receive that life and give life again. So we're givers. So we see that these, these magi, boy, they're, they're, they saw the king and, and they just fell down and worshipped him. You know, what if they got to Jerusalem and just stopped? You ever thought about that? 
What if they, what if they hadn't made it to Bethlehem? Persistence. They pursued the king, and they didn't quit. The world came against them. All of Jerusalem was in a ruckus and upset because they were seeking a king. The, the conversation, I can see them walking through town. Hey, we're looking for the Messiah, King Jesus. Here he's born here. Hey, have you seen King Jesus? How about, how about you? Have you seen King Jesus? They're walking around town, and words begin to spread. It gets back to Herod. Herod's upset, too. Everybody's in a turmoil about somebody seeking King Jesus. The world was not accommodating them. Okay? It's not like all the world's going to agree with you in your seeking God. But when we seek Him, we find Him. And when we find Him, He's worthy to be worshipped. And they fall down on their face before Him, and they worship King Jesus. Notice this. They did not worship Mary. They did not worship Joseph. They did not give gifts to Mary. They did not give gifts to Joseph. They, gave, they worshipped Him, the Scripture tells us. And they gave gifts to Him, the Scripture tells us. So well, see, He was a baby. Mom and Dad had to receive the gifts. I get it. But they were giving the gifts to Him. And it spoke so much about Him and His life and His death. And his eternal reign on, on, on Calvary, on, on uh, the kingdom of heaven. So we, we see that. We see how his life was portrayed there. They submitted to the king. They worshipped him. It was surrender. They came under surrender to the king. Think about this. The Magi came into the presence of the king, worshipped him. And then they did what? They left. But they left different than they came. Whenever we encounter Jesus, we're different when we leave. You cannot encounter Jesus and be the same. I'm telling you, your life changes when you encounter Jesus. And we're concerned about what we're going to lose or how life's going to change and Hello, that was Herod, the scribes, and the chief priest. Herod was concerned about losing the authority, losing the power. The chief priests and the scribes, they were just indifferent. They weren't concerned at all. The Magi were seeking after him, and they found him. So we, we see three different responses to him, and I just I want to run through this with you. I want you to think through this with me. Because, ladies and gentlemen, as you sit here today, your life, your life is responding in one of these three ways. And not your words. I'm not, I'm not concerned. You all know the Sunday school answer. And if I, I got face-to-face with you and we, we sat down and had a conversation, you would tell me all the things I need to hear. Okay? I get it. Some of you would tell me the truth. But most of you would just, you know, just tell me the right answers. You know the right answers. I'm talking about your life, though. Your life is speaking something. And you know it. So here's King, here's King Herod. And he's concerned with losing the authority. And there are multitudes in our world today that are concerned with losing the authority. They're concerned that if they, man, if I surrender to Jesus, then I can't live my life like I've been living my life. All of a sudden, my life has to change. I've got to do a 180. 
That's exactly what salvation is. It's, it's, we live in sin. All have fallen short. All have sinned. So when we sin, we're living in opposition to the King, King Jesus. And, and when we surrender our life to Him, we turn from our sin to our Savior. It means a, a major change. It's a dethroning of me and a throning of God in my life. So every one of us will either act like Herod and say, No, I do not want you to be king. I want to be king. And I'll do whatever I've got to do to discredit you, Jesus, to kill you in my life. And you wouldn't say that. I know you wouldn't. King Herod didn't say that. But that's what it meant. So our lives speak to the fact either we're going to be king or he's going to be king. And if you're saying, you know what, I want to be king. Then you got, you got the scribes and the chief priests. And, and you know, they're, they're just indifferent, man. They, Herod's so concerned about losing the authority. And the scribes and Pharisees really aren't concerned about losing it. They don't care. They're, they're indifferent. It doesn't matter that King Jesus came. And there are a lot of people in this world today that it really doesn't matter to them that King Jesus came. It, it, and celebrate Christmas. Yes, I might get a new car. I might get some new clothes I like. I might get, I might, you know, it's about me instead of about he. But when we celebrate King Jesus, it's different. And celebrating me. It, they weren't concerned with King Jesus. It didn't matter to them. I just want to ask you, does it matter to you that he's king? Does it really matter to you that he's king? Is your life being lived stating his authority? Or are you just like, I'm not concerned. It doesn't matter to me. So, so you got these two groups over there. One Herod and then the group of people. Very concerned because he's going to lose his authority. Not really concerned at all. And, and we would, if we compared our life to Herod, we'd say, man, I'm a lot better dude than him. He's, I mean, he, he killed his mother-in-law, his wife, and his three boys. He had other people executed at his death so that there would be mourning. He, 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 he told everybody to kill all the babies that were two years and under in Bethlehem. This is a bad dude. I look really good compared to him, Pastor. Okay? Wrong person to be comparing your life to, okay? We should compare our life to Jesus, not to the person sitting beside you, the person down the road from you. Or the person that you don't like. So when we look at Herod and we look at the chief priests and the scribes, it might say, well, I'm better than Herod. But in reality, aren't they both the same? Because neither one of them pursued Christ. So the end is the same. If you don't pursue Christ with your life, the end is the same. But then there's the Magi. And oh, how I hope everyone in this room desires to be and seeking to be and striving with all you have to be like the Magi. You're seeking Him. 
you're falling down right now because you're worshiping Him. In your, in your heart and, and when you're singing to Him and, and in your personal time, I, I'm telling you, worship, I've said it all year, worship is not a style, it's a lifestyle. And you're either worshiping Him with your life or you're not. So if you're not worshiping with, the, with your life, then I mean, if this is just a Sunday event for an hour for you, how real important is it? The Magi sought Him. It, was, it cost them. It cost them to leave where they lived and go and pursue this king. And when they left the presence of the king, they went back different than they came. They changed direction. Their life was on a new course. And my life and your life should be on a new course. So let me just ask you, church. Dear sir, ma'am, as you sit here before me this morning, it doesn't matter that you sit before me. You sit before the king. He rules and reigns today in heaven. I want to ask you something, very honestly. What's your life line up with? Does your life line up with Herod's life? You don't want to lose authority. You want to live your life like you're living your life. You like your life. You're comfortable. Doesn't matter what God's Word says. You want to do what you want to do. Are you like the scribes and the chief priests? Man, you're not concerned. Your life shows there's no concern. You have no concern that there's a God. Yeah, you'll tip your hat to Him every now and then. You'll attend a worship service, but you wouldn't get up and drive six miles to see Him. Kind of like the chief priests and the scribes. Or, or is your heart bent towards worship and, man, you're seeking Him with all you got? Your life is stating something to King Jesus right now. And I'm telling you, He knows every thought and every intention you got, and I'm glad He does. I'm glad he knows mine. And I'm glad he gave me the Holy Spirit to indwell me and bring me in alignment to comfort me, to encourage me, and to help me down this journey. But every one of us, with our life, speaks to King Jesus in one of those three responses today. So if you're here today, you're like, man, I love Jesus. I'm not sure my life has really displayed that lately, but... Okay, I can't do anything about yesterday. I can't do anything about last week, last month, last year, or anywhere in the past. But I'll tell you what, where I'm sitting right now, I can do something about today. And Lord Jesus, my heart, my heart yearns for you. And I love you, and I want to I be on a path of seeking you in my life every day. Praise be to God if that's where your heart is today. You may be sitting here today, and you may be saying, you know what, I I can't do anything about last week, last month, last year, Pastor, but I'll tell you what, my life has not been served under the Lordship of Christ, but under the Lordship of me. And today I'm going to dethrone me, and I'm going to put Jesus in His right place. Praise be to God. All of heaven will rejoice, and we'll rejoice with you as you surrender your life to Jesus and you make Him King. That's called salvation. That's called turning from sin and turning to your Savior. And you know how you do that? You just pray, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are king, and I am not. And I have sinned, and you're the only one that can atone for my sin, and you did on the cross at Calvary. And I accept that work, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my past. I want to live for you going forward. Please, Lord, be my Lord. Take my life. And you begin to pursue Jesus as king of your life. That happens right here, right now. And we start tomorrow 
with a new life. It's afforded to every one of us because King Jesus did it for you. So what is your life stating today? And, and you know what? You can sit there and be real quiet about what your life is stating, or you can talk to the king about it. And if you make a decision to yield your life to Jesus, you can do something about it publicly right now. He was a public God who came very publicly to this earth, died very publicly on a cross, and rose very publicly. And he will return publicly. This is not about a private matter. It's about living publicly for Jesus. Amen? Stand with me. We won't have a time of invitation. It's your time, church, to respond to the call Christ has on your life this morning. You do as God leads you. Brother Philip and I will be down front if you want to talk to us about a spiritual decision. If you want to come and pray at the altar, you're welcome to do that. Let's move for Jesus. He moved for us. Let Him be Lord today. Seek Him. Be sure your response is right. Father, we love you and thank you. Thank you for this time, the privilege to respond to you in worship at this point. And I pray, God, you move and have all authority in our lives right now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You move as God leads.
that in our time of giving, that we would do it out of love and out of obedience to the principles that you give us, which will benefit us as we live in your will, in your way, so that Jesus will be glorified through our finances. It's in his name I pray. Amen. I thought you were going to let me think about these questions before you ask them to me. <laughs> All right, you ready? First question. When you think back on your time overseas, what brings you joy? It's the relationships, sharing of life. The sharing of who Jesus is. The greatest joy of my time overseas definitely is people. 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 It's the people. 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 That the people that I got to meet. The lives that were changed. It's the people. People. Definitely is people that flash before my eyes when I think about joy on the field. What's one thing you wish you had known when you first went overseas that you know now? You really are not in control. I'm totally dependent on God. My best efforts would never get it done. Just been more genuine instead of more calculating. How integral my kids could be in ministry in a developing country that was very close to the gospel. How much the people become your family. That if you're not passionate about reaching lostness where you are, it's not going to grow when you go to a foreign land. So what degree did the Lottie and Christmas offering impact your work? There is no way we could have gone where we went without Lottie Moon. Tires were expensive to replace. I think he had the record in Kenya, changing 60 flats in one year. Wheelchairs. Textbooks. Housing. Surgery. Solar panels. Honda 185 motorcycle. These kids on the back of this thing motocross all the way to church on Sunday. Torn Achilles, shoulder surgery. Without the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, I would be a mess. You know, I never would have gotten to the field if it wasn't for the local church. More than just an offering. Every penny that was given. Crucial, vital. Literacy work, education opportunities. A refugee center. Health care. We put in almost 300 wells. Trained church planters. Strategic. Lifeline. Cooperative effort for the gospel around the world. How has serving overseas changed you? I think no one could have told me when I moved overseas what it was like to be a minority. More sensitive to the needs of people around me rather than seeing a people group. I see people. More attuned to God's leadership. Ultimately confident in God. <clears throat> In your opinion, what do you think church leaders could do to increase involvement overseas? Marry the legacies of the past with the challenges of the future. Model what it means. Go yourself. People in the church will follow the example of their church leader. And giving them a vision for missions, not just as something that happens when you get on an airplane, but helping them become stronger disciples of Christ in their own community. If we're involved in global work, it will impact our local work. He's brought the nations here. Refugees, migrant workers. Entrepreneurs looking for new ways to get into countries. The opportunities really are limitless. Last question. 
being a missionary is blank. Just being who you are as a Christian. A calling is something that Jesus has asked all of us to do. It's making disciples. A challenge. An exciting adventure. It didn't look anything like I thought it was going to look. Waking up every day and asking, where is the Father at work and what would he have me do? To live out my life for Jesus in front of other people no matter where I live. There's nothing like it. Nothing.